0: Good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum and I am your host of a Pen and Napkin Podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff. It is me, myself, and I. I think, wasn't that De La Soul that sang that, Me, Myself, It was and I? De La Soul, yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah, that's, that's solid stuff there. That's a lot of Casey Kasem on Sunday mornings <laughs> there. So. Uh, that was actually the early, that was like early to mid-90s was that one. So Casey Kasem was long retired from the countdown at that point. But I digress. It is myself and Mr. Tony Davis. We are here on The Coaching Staff, episode number 16. And we are going to talk about in-season adjustments today what you should consider. Uh, We're going to talk about roster uh, adjustments, uh, considerations that you might want to think about, lineup considerations, stylistic considerations, adjustments that you want to perhaps make, and wherever else we kind of go with this conversation. Mr. Viss, how are you this fine Sunday morning?
1: I'm doing well. You know, I was listening to your spiel there. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I was like, man, this is the first time that the Good morning part of it is where we're
0: at <laughs> exactly you know usually we're we're the night owls uh you know you know us us old people recording like <laughs> at eight p m you know uh last week uh Tony had to chug a couple mountain dews to stay up till nine o'clock so uh but uh, we are up and going here on a on a Sunday morning and uh Tony, you're you're off to a good start. Uh, we're off to a start. Uh, we we were talking, you know, we kind of uh, for those of you, obviously, you weren't listening before we got going here. We were uh, basically we recapped the entire episode as we talked about our own teams here. And uh, so let's just let's just hit the ground running here, Tony. Uh, you get into the season here. Uh, we've played a couple of games. We've had a couple. You know, we've each had a scrimmage. Uh, What adjustments do you think about uh, a couple of weeks into the season? What are you thinking about doing? Uh, You know, what do you you got for us, buddy? You
1: know, the interesting thing, when you were talking through some of this stuff, I was like, man, you are describing my week. Um, (laughs) You know, you're talking about roster adjustments and uh we started off the year i think we had like 29 kids uh for our sophomore team and you give an 18 uniforms that can that can present some some challenges there and Mm -hmm. so what we did early on is we had some kids uh that weren't able to practice for a variety of reasons and so we went out and initially we put 12 guys on our roster and then some guys didn't get their physical in decided basketball wasn't for them so we went from 29 to 23 Well, still, you have an issue. 23 doesn't fit into 18. And so what we did is we took 11 of our guys, and they have a uniform every game. And then we took the other guys. Some will suit home some will suit away. And yeah. so everybody is going to be uh involved in, in, in suiting, hopefully get a chance, depending upon score and stuff like that, to get them and to get them to play. But that was something that we decided this week that three weeks, you know, into the season, we're gonna make that adjustment. And yeah. so that was something that was big. Um and then in our game this week we played uh Marion. And yeah. so we practiced the night before uh, on a Monday. We get ready to go play on a Tuesday and I get a message, hey one of your starters is sick. And I'm like, oh, boy. So yeah. that's that's Tuesday you know, before the game. So now you have to make an adjustment that way. And so we decided to go a certain way with it. And I thought offensively, and again, whether it was from our, our first one was labeled as scrimmage, even though we played a game, uh, but I thought that our offense flowed a little bit better. And so mm-hmm. we've been uh, talking the past couple uh, practices, my assistant coach and I, about, hey, Are we going to make that adjustment? Are we going to go back to who the starter initially was? And so that's been a lot of conversation and just watching how they both have handled it, watching how we've looked in practice and different things. And so that'll be a decision that we make uh, after practice tomorrow on what we're going to do in our game on Tuesday. But, yeah, it's just been an interesting week from that. And then you hop in this topic and it's you're living it out in real life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we were, uh, we've been in the same situation. We had, uh, we had three or four kids that were were hurt uh, coming out of their fall sport. And uh, one of them missed the first week of practice. Uh, The second. Uh, we basically got cleared like 24 hours before our first game. And the third one is, is still out and, and hopefully best case scenario in a couple of weeks, she'll be working her way back into things. That's, that's what we're hoping for anyway. Um, so, you know, the best laid plans, as they say, Tony, um, And, and so we had to really rethink some things on, on how we wanted to do it. Uh, we've got a, a lot of, you know, this is the most kids that we've had out at, at our school in a long time. We've got 20, 22 girls out. Uh, so, you know, the initial vision was to, we were probably going and to, and I told my parents this, I told the kids this, um, we're going to suit up about 10 or 11 kids for varsity to start the season. And we've got 14 uniforms in Nebraska. You can only you can only suit up 14 kids for postseason play. And lesson learned from earlier in my career, um, we're not going to suit up any more than 14. <laughs> uh, we're not giving out any more than 14 varsity uniforms. Uh, and so the initial plan was to uh, give out 10 or 11 uniforms, and then we had we we told a group of about seven or eight girls that here's. Uh, here's three or four roster spots. Uh, there's seven or eight girls. We're going to let you play it out. And we're going to let you figure it out. And whoever plays the best, whenever we determine that we feel like, okay, this this player or these players have been uh, the dominant players in practice at the JV level and competitions at the JV level, uh, we're going to move you up. Uh, and if and if nobody plays well, we're not going to give them to anybody. We were very clear about that. You know, we we're not going to fill these spots just because we have spots to fill. We want kids to earn them. Um, but then we hit this rash of injuries, and and so that sped up the timeline. The the unintended uh, machinations of uh, you know having this sped up, and so we had to make a decision. Um, and we also had a a discipline issue with one of our kids, uh, going into our first game. And so we had to decide, uh, who, you know, we basically had to give away, uh, we had to give out one of those uniforms early, um, earlier, you know, than we had planned. Now this, you know, we, we had some kids that were playing well. Uh, we had four or five kids that we had to pick one person out of and, uh, you know this this gal that we ended up picking has has done a terrific job uh she's been uh, she's worked her tail off so forth and so on and she's you know she's gotten some varsity minutes earlier this year uh she's she's held her own and she's doing a great job uh but sometimes when you're putting that roster together uh injuries illness um discipline situations okay. that can change your perspective um we we still have two varsity, varsity uniforms, and, and what I tell kids, and again, everybody's got their own philosophy on this. Um, I really believe that if you're going to give a kid a uniform, um, you can't take it away. I think that is just such a devastating thing for for a kid to have happen. Um You know, so I really believe that once you give a kid, uh, if you're a freshman and you're moving up to JV, once you give them that uniform, you've committed to that for at least the rest of that season. Or if you give a a sophomore uh, a varsity uniform, you've committed to that for the rest of that season. I just, I just can't bring it to me, uh, to myself to to take that uniform away once you've given it out. So uh, she's done a great job. We're starting to get a little healthier, Um, and you know we're gonna see how that plays into things, how it plays into minutes, how it plays into rotations, so forth and so on. So, uh, you know, th- that's kind of what, again, like you were talking about in real time, Tony, uh, what we're dealing with, and and I think there's a lot of different variables that you have to look at. You have to look at the present. You have to look at the future. Um, you have to look down the line. Okay, I'm going to bring this kid up for uh, a week, but is is this going to be the place for her in two weeks or three weeks you know so there's a lot of different variables that you have to look at maybe you're looking down the line and going yeah we could bring this kid up this year but I know that I've got three or four stud freshmen coming in next year and this kid you know I don't know how they're going to fit into things after that you know so I I think there's just there's just so many things that you have to look at Tony Uh, have, have you been in that situation before? yeah it's a
1: thing where there are a lot of variables you know um I I think we were talking about this earlier I, I snuck up we had uh our freshman in action yesterday morning and then our varsity played in the afternoon and so we didn't have anything on the sophomore level so I went up and I'm watching our freshman play and I'm like man one or two of those guys could probably help me right now yeah so that's something you begin to think through but you also have to factor in What do I have? What does this do to the chemistry of my team if I bring them up? And Mm -hmm. so our first deal that we'll do on that one is we'll have them come up and practice with us over Christmas break. Mm -hmm. So when they come in, we'll get to see them go against our guys. And if they're, if they deserve that spot, that'll be a conversation that we'll have there as we get through. Cause we have, we still have a uniform and we're working on getting a second one. Uh, one of the, uniforms wasn't turned in at the end of last year. (laughs) So we have a – I can't remember if we have a home one and we're missing the away one or vice versa or what the deal is. But we still have a uniform or two that, you know, if we wanted to bring them onto our roster – we we could do that yet.
0: You have to you have to take it out of that frame. You know, whoever that kid was, they framed it because they were coached by you, Tony. Yeah, this this is my uniform I wore for Coach Viss. So, yeah. and the
1: thing is, we know the kid. We know who to it sort of did, and so we've been. I don't know if our varsity coach has got that order in or not. But yeah, we're still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with that other number two.
0: Yeah. Um. What about your What about your lineups, Tony? Uh, you know, you you look at your lineups. Obviously, uh, you got to figure out five kids uh, to to start. Uh, you got to figure out two or three different subs. You know, what are your consideration when you're when you're thinking about lineups and perhaps adjustments you make to your lineups?
1: That's a great question. Um, there, there's a there's a couple different things that we we think through on that one. Number one, uh, we look at the five kids that play the best together. Yeah. It's not the five best players, and I think a lot of times that's kind of our our culture our mindset it's about competition it's about being the best but basketball is a five-on-five game it's it's not always a one-on-one game i get if you watch the nba there's a lot of throw the ball and get the heck out of the way and let you know kevin durant or lebron james or whoever it happens to be play one-on-one well we don't we don't necessarily have that now not that we're not looking for mismatches but we look for the five guys that play the best together Mm -hmm. um we also look at the style you know like with this year's team our tallest guys are like six, two, six, three. We don't have a six, five, six, six, you know, even a six, seven center. We just don't have those guys in our roster. It's not that we're sitting them on the bench and we're going to put them in on a special occasion. We just don't have them. And so the way that we have to play is we have to play chaotic and fast. Mm -hmm. And if you are a plotter, um, you're not overly, you know, quick or anything like that, you're going to have a hard time getting on the floor for us just with the way that we play because one of the things with high school that's different than college, like if I'm a college coach, I can recruit for a specific style of play. Mm-hmm. High school, you inherit those guys. And so some years, like my first year with Kennedy, we had like four or five guys that could dunk it. Mm-hmm. And our, we played a guy that was six four at the at the three-man spot our center was six five and i think our our, other power forward was six five so i mean we had some great size we walked out there we we looked like a legit basketball team Mm -hmm. and now when we walk out there these guys are very talented as well but they we just fly down the floor and Mm -hmm. we make it crazy and fast and that's just the way that we have to play with them this year and we have kind of a, a you know offensively we have a little bit of a template that we use you know we ran a lot of kansas high low game my first year right now it's a lot of ball screen action uh and we run what we call our low motion series we get a cutter going through or we do some dribble handoff stuff we flare screen to start it but we give them an action to initiate the offense and then after that it's basically we give them principles to play off of each other on mm-hmm. and so you just kind of take what you have and you make it you make it work
0: hmm Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, Strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96 page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at, too. Again, you know, those injuries play into stuff, and, uh, you know, we have to— and I think you make a great point, Tony. When My first head coaching gig uh, was uh, out in Gothenburg, Nebraska. Go Swedes, baby! And, oh and uh, you know, we had a, a pretty steady starting lineup, and, uh, and then my, uh, my four broke a finger— and, and she was out for, like, four weeks. And this is, like, the last four weeks of the season. I'm like, oh, man. And, and I looked at our lineup, and I looked at what we were doing, and um, I thought that the best player for that situation was a JV kid. And we, we kind of skipped, if you will, the backup four at the varsity level because, you know, I was like, I like your spark off the bench. We've got our two main scores in the starting lineup. When one of those t- two kids are out, we need you on the floor to be that second score with the other two kids. And um, and so and, and people <laughs> I still remember uh, people coming up to me going, "What are you doing starting this girl?" I'm like, "I just feel like it's the best fit." Uh, it's it's just it's just what's going to work for us, and, and uh, we won our last seven games of the year with that gal in the starting lineup. Uh, we we lost in the district final by one, uh, you know, because she it just it was just the fit. It was just the fit with the team, and, and and the the other player quote unquote was was excuse me I forget I, I screwed up on the quote unquote there Tony, uh, the the other player was quote unquote the better player, uh, but it was the better fit. And I think that's what you have to, to look at. And I think as you, you slide your kids into spots, and I think this is the way that basketball has evolved over the last 20 or 30 years, Tony. Uh, if your best post-up player is your guard, post up your guard. If you, you know, just because the kid's tall doesn't mean uh, if they're a good shooter, have them space out uh, and, and face up and, you know, yesterday for our game, we, we actually had a little plan in our hip pocket uh, to post up one of our guards because uh, she was probably going to be guarded by a, a five four girl. And my, gr- my my girl's not very big; she's only about five six, but she's she's strong and and she's got pretty good footwork down there. And it's like, hey, if we need to go to this, we can go to this. And so and so sometimes with your rosters and this kind of is rolling into the stylistic part of it that we were going to talk about. You know. You've got to find your best fit and and you cannot, I, I, I think there's a, with all of this, with your roster, with your uh, lineups, with your style, and this is the art of coaching, Tony. Um, when do you push the panic button? When do you not push the panic button? Uh, we very easily in our situation could have pushed the panic button on Friday night, after Friday night, and said, oh my goodness, we've got to change this, 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 and this, this, and this, and no, we're gonna we're gonna stay steady here. You know, we're gonna we're you know, uh, let's see what it looks like when we're when we're all put together here. And and more than anything else, we just needed to play better. Uh, you know, and we really challenged our kids. But I think sometimes uh, we want to make these massive overhauls in our style, in our rosters, in our lineups. Instead of why don't we just try to do what we're doing better first before we start making all of these massive overhauls, especially early in the season.
1: Yeah, I had heard of a coach one time. They were talking about like your situation and they just said do simple better.
0: Yep. BSB. That was that was
1: the way to fix it. Yeah. Do simple better. And I remember um Krzyzewski, when he was with Duke a few years ago, they had a big injury at the end of the year and he told them that if they believed in him, they would win the national championship. And I cannot remember if it was Carlos Boozer or who it was. Yeah, it was he Boozer. Ended up, getting, ended up getting hurt, and he he changed things a little bit. But they believed in him, and I think that's the, one of the bigger things as a coach is you've got to get them to believe in you and to buy into what you're doing. And if you can be, you know, pardon the the, the parallel here, but if you can be a good used car salesman. In those situations and get them to believe in you and what you're yeah. doing, you've won half the battle right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think uh, the kids can look up at the scoreboard or they can look at their own performance and they can say, man, I we stunk or I stunk. You know, yep. uh, they don't, you know, and I think a lot of times when we talk about adjustments, uh, the kids are smart. Uh, they know they stunk (laughs) and and, and so sometimes you know it's just a matter of of like you said selling them on what they need to do better you know part of it is watching the film and instructing hey we've got to make sharper passes hey we've got to box out better look at this hey billy you got to box out better than this are you capable of boxing out better yes coach then you got to do it buddy you know and, and so forth and so on down the line um but I, I, I really believe that, you know, uh, everybody thinks that it's, it's, it's moving in lineups. And, and eventually, you do need to do that. Uh, I, I think I went back and did a study one time, Tony, of my teams. And the starting lineup that I began the season with and the starting lineup that I ended the season with was not the same about two-thirds of the time. Wow. Um, so there are adjustments to be made yep. there are adjustments to them be made there are uh whether it's roster whether it is lineups whether it is your style but i think that you need to it, it, i've always believed that if, if you've given your spring your summer and your fall all of this thought and here's what we're going to go with and then after one or two games you go nope that's it we're done ah chuck yeah. it um then, then, what did you, what were you really thinking for those eight months as you were getting ready for the season? I, I and and I really think, especially when it comes to your lineups, I think you have to be careful with that early in the season because uh, if, if you've selected that player to be one of your five starters or one of your first couple of kids off the bench, uh, if you if you drastically cut that back early, if if you've again, if you've spent the the first if you've spent eight months deciding that this is one of our eight most important players and you're pulling the plug after a game or two, there's a good chance you've lost them for quite a while, if not the whole season, because they're human. They're probably a little bit shaky with their own confidence instead of breaking them down and being negative with them. Now that's the time where you've got to be there to build them up. Like you said, Tony, be that used card salesman and build them up in that regard. Uh, What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like what we were talking about, just in terms of if you put months behind your thoughts on this and you've got all this, you know, data, evidence, proof, whatever you want to call it, yeah. and you are yanking them, you know, out of the starting lineup or you're yanking them out of the rotation a game or two or three in, what you're, what you're creating in an environment are players that are all the time looking over their shoulder, wondering when they're going to get yanked out, and they're playing scared. And I don't think you want them to play scared if you want them to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like you mentioned, they're not dumb. If they saw that it happened to Susie or Johnny, when's it going to happen to me? Mm -hmm. And so you've got not just one looking over, but you have a team looking over their shoulder with the buzzer going off to sub in. And, you know... That's one thing if, if, as a coach that I think that I've got to get a little bit better at is giving them a little bit longer rope and allow them to learn through some of those things because I, you know, I tell them I've learned far more from my mistakes than I have from my successes. Yeah. And so if that's something that I'm going to stand by and that's a mantra, you've got to give them an opportunity to play through some of those mistakes and learn. It's just hard to learn them when there's a scoreboard and a, and a win-loss thing involved.
0: Yeah, and, and that's why I think it's important uh, – and again, most of the stuff that I've talked about here this morning on on my side of the conversation, Tony, these are all mistakes that I've made. Absolutely, with with without a doubt, yes, without yes. a doubt. Um, and and these are things that I've learned, and uh, and that's why we do this podcast. That's that's why that's what a pen and a napkin is all about is to to try and be there for coaches who maybe have made these mistakes or who are, are learning. And Hey, this is what we've done. Don't do this. Please don't do this. It's not good. Um, you know, I, I I can't think of how many times where, you know, and, and again, the quick fix, everybody thinks it's like, okay, here's another situation, Tony, when you're talking about in season adjustments, you've got a, you've got a talented freshman or sophomore lurking on the JV and you've got a senior who's okay. Um, you know, and a lot of people believe that, you know, well, after one game, that senior stunk and that, that sophomore or that freshman had 15 in the JV game. Well, let's, let's move them up right away. Man, that's a big jump. That's a, that's a big jump. jump. And, and, uh, I just think that you know, you you've got to give that 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 senior who's a, a nice player, a solid player, the benefit of the doubt. let that let that freshman or sophomore kick butt on JV for three weeks, and then bring mm-hmm. them up. You could you can always bring them up, but you can't. It's so hard to put them back down. And, isn't that
1: our culture, Marty? I mean, yeah. I call it the microwave culture, you where you yeah, know these people sit at home and you know just use a football analogy. What they want the backup quarterback in, or they want the next new thing. They want that talented young kid or whatever the case may be and they want it done yesterday and i just think that's our culture and you know that's not necessarily how life and that's not necessarily how sports work
0: yeah yeah no you're right you're right and and again and i know i was like this as a younger coach i remember uh my my early on in my my run at scud uh we had a, a really really young group that was really good it was it was groups uh that you know led us to number two team in the state and, and the, uh, thanks Tom Taverty for not giving me a couple of state championships. Cause you were winning 104 games in a row. Uh, but when they were, when they were freshmen and sophomores, um, you know, the, the, the seniors ahead of them, you know, it was, it was a group that just wasn't as talented. Um, shoulda, coulda, woulda, I should have been more patient. And even if I would have waited a month, it would have alleviated a lot of problems. Um, but I was in the mode of these kids are way better. Uh, they they, you know, let's just let's just jump in. let's just jump in feet first. and and that was not fair per se to the older kids because they didn't really uh, as much as they could have get a chance to prove themselves um, and and feel valued., uh, the younger kids were rushed up into it. Now, again, in the end of things, it turned out okay because we made three straight tournaments, uh, state tournaments, in a row. But uh, in the meantime, that that year, year and a half of getting them to that point, you know, that was that was a tough slog. That was a tough slog. And and uh, what you worry about when you move up kids too quickly on your roster is, you know, Johnny or, or Susie that scores fifteen in the JV game. Uh, as a freshman, well, now all of a sudden they're going against seniors and juniors, on especially against good teams, uh, and 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 now they're getting two points a game, and they're getting their butt kicked physically, and now they start losing their confidence, they start doubting themselves, and and it's and it's like, boy, that's that's just, uh, now they've got to dig themselves out of a hole, and so in some ways you're kind of back to square one because. You've got that kid. Now, the argument is, well, they're young. Let them learn from it. Yeah, that's true. But how many, this, for for example, in the NFL, how many quarterbacks have been rushed into starting spots that are just not ready, but everybody wants to play the young quarterback, and let's just let them have them take lumps like Peyton Manning did. Well, yeah, Peyton Manning's Peyton Manning, you know. Uh, there's not too many Peyton Mannings out there. Uh, there's There's been a lot more failures by rushing people into it than there is working them in slowly. And, and, and making sure that they're ready instead of hoping that they're ready or you think that they're ready.
1: Yeah, for how many Peyton Mannings, you know, that ratio, you go back to the Ryan Leafs who was in that same class as Peyton Manning. Yeah. Uh, you take a look at Derek Carr's brother when he went in behind an atrocious atrocious offensive line. I mean, I don't know what the ratio is, but there are far many Ryan Leafs and there are Peyton Mannings that get rushed in there. Zach Wilson for the Jets is a really good example right now of a guy that got put in there too early in maturity-wise wasn't able to handle it and you know you take a look at somebody like tua who you know you go through and you take a look at am i a good football player and how he was questioning himself and then thankfully they brought a new coach in that believed in him and he's having a heck of a year this year yeah but it's it's super important if you bring a young player up too early you can damage them for a long time while if you let them play freshman jv whatever and they're dominating that's that's healthier for them you've got to be right and the big thing too how are your other players going to accept bringing the young player up? And what type of moxie or makeup do they have? If things don't go well earlier, are they going to go in a shell? And man, you might've lost them for a year or longer.
0: Yeah. Another thing to think about, Tony, is that social aspect. Uh, Let's say you've got a roster of juniors and seniors. Okay. And then you bring up a talented freshman, and you know, there's, there's the, you know, there's nobody there's nobody even close to that kid's age. And you know just as well as I do, Tony. There's a massive difference in maturity and all the things down the line between a senior and a freshman. And and now this freshman is stuck in a not only is it could be not only could it be difficult on the floor, but it could be difficult off the floor. Who are they going to sit by on the bus rides? Who are they yeah. going to sit by while the JV team's playing and and the Varsity's in the bleachers waiting for the waiting for the JV game to get over? You know, those are big deals for high school they are really kids. Big deals. You know, and you
1: better have really good leaders if you're bringing a young one up. Like this year, we have a freshman kid with our sophomore group. He's very talented and he can do a lot of things. But if those sophomores don't empower him and believe in him. He, he could have a struggle, you know, and I, I go to the – told you I went to the freshman game yesterday. I look over. He's at the freshman game watching the kids in this class that he's growing up with play. And and he's, he's a basketball junkie, and he's into the gym a lot. But those are things that I keep an eye on because, you know, you want his development to be healthy and for him to have a great experience um, because – you know, in a big school like ours, it's, it's very much, I mean, there's not a lot of mingling because there's 400 kids or 450 kids in your class. You're going to find somebody that you, you know, to be your friend. And now when you mix in that you're playing up a level or two levels, depending upon whatever the situation may be, that could be a challenge. I, I, our, our varsity coach a few years ago, brought up a kid, started him as a freshman point guard. And the kid is an unbelievable mature. I mean, he's, 18 going on 40 but when he was a young kid 14 15 years old there was a part of me that worried for him that we had good leaders he was a mature kid and he's been one of the best players that's ever played at kennedy and it's been a success story but there aren't always that success story there's not a handbook on how you have to do this for every kid it it, it varies you have to have a plan that is individual
0: yeah and i've always or since since i've gone through this process uh, one of the things that I've tried to do is if I'm gonna bring up one kid I I, I try to and, and not it doesn't always work but I try to have at least one if, if in a perfect world let's say you're gonna bring up a freshman to the JV is there a way you can bring up another freshman just yeah. so that they have somebody especially if they're if they're you know if they're talented enough uh, and again it doesn't always work that way It doesn't always work that way. Um, or if you're bringing up a sophomore to the varsity, is there a way that you can have another sophomore at least be suiting up and having them go through things with them as you're going through that? Uh, that's that's a, a positive way to do it. That gives them a potential social outlet. So, again, uh, they have somebody to sit by on the bus. They have somebody uh, that, they're, that they can talk about world history class with uh, while they're on the sideline. Uh, you know, just 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 things like that, and and I think those are all important considerations that you have to have because oftentimes we get enamored with the basketball side of things and we don't think about all of these other things that are happening outside of what's going on off on the floor with the kids.
1: Yeah, off the floor stuff is. I would say just as important and be honest with you, maybe even a little more important than just the basketball side of things because of their ability to handle some things with the, you know, the maturity and and different things that that go along with that, that area.
0: Mm -hmm. Coaches, you know, just as well as I do, that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available for you, to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Opening up for the third annual a Pen and a Napkin Coaches Clinic. There's Europe's The Final Countdown. Now, they're the opening act. I'm in talks with some other groups here. Uh, Molly Hatchet, uh, Slade, REO Speedwagon, among others, Tony. Have
1: you talked to Jethro Tull at all?
0: <laughs> you know, the Steve Miller Band, uh, we've been trying to track down their manager, um you know uh jay giles is also on the radar i would
1: be there jay giles is there (laughs) you count me in freeze frame all-time classic
0: (laughs) there you go buddy there you go all right tony it is time for trivia it is my turn to throw out a trivia question here are you ready mr viss um
1: yeah let's go with yes
0: okay all right uh little little of our home state trivia here tony okay i like it you ready The Iowa State Girls Basketball Tournament is the oldest continuously running state tournament in the history of the country. In what year did Iowa begin its girls state tournament?
1: Oh, crap. Um, Let's see here.
0: I'm going to give you a hint. I'll give you a hint right away. I like it. It was before the Great Depression.
1: Okay, so we're going before the Great Depression, which happened late 1920s. So let's go with 1925. Incorrect. Am I too early or too late?
0: You are too late.
1: Too late? Mm -hmm. Huh. Let's go 1919.
0: You are incorrect.
1: Still too late? Too early. Too early? All right,
0: so you I'm got go a,
1: approximately in the middle between 1919 and 1925. I'm going to go with 1921.
0: Too late. It was 20? 1920. Son of a gun! <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, there's no way he's going to guess. Like he's going to split the difference, 23 or something like that. When you were when you were debating in your head there. Uh, no, I'm it was nasty.
1: 19- I look at an odd year or an even year, but after you gave me the Great Depression, in, I didn't feel like I could get another
0: one. Yeah. Um, no, Great Depression started in 1929. First Iowa girls' state tournament 1920. They've played it every year since 1920. It is the oldest state high school girls' basketball tournament in so the this country. It's supposed
1: to be 103.
0: This year would be 103. Yes. Dang. One, yeah. 103, 104, however they count that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Wow, those hey, you did good though, buddy. I mean, that was that's was, that was, wasn't
1: bad for me. I I can live with only being a year off.
0: Yeah, there you, well, you were a year off twice, twice, yeah. twice. Ah. So, sporting well, event you're but, looking forward to this week, Tony Vis?
1: You know, after the U.S. lost in soccer yesterday with the whole World Cup thing, uh, the World Cup doesn't quite have the same wanting me to watch it. But at the same time, there's some really good teams still left. Yeah. So I'll probably do some some World Cup still. Um, Iowa Iowa State. This is this is rivalry week that we'll Mm -hmm. get a little bit of that view on both men and women. So I'll probably pay attention to that. And then uh, we've got a game against uh, a city rival, Jefferson. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be up there. And we play another rival. uh, The sophomores do anyway on Tuesday against Linmar. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a prime sports week. What about you?
0: uh you know kind of same thing on down the line here tony uh world cup uh now that the u.s is knocked out and i didn't see anything of the netherlands match but it sounded like we got rolled pretty well uh pretty didn't
1: mark on the back side real well yeah um gave up some some goals that way but i thought they played i mean they had really good chances they had a shot like two three minutes in with Polisic, and i don't know if he thought he was offsides or not but he wasn't offsides didn't strike at the best, but yeah, they stood right there with one of the world heavyweights and, and slugged it out pretty good.
0: Yeah, and you knew it was going to be a tough go against them. I mean, you get yes. into the Netherlands, you get into Brazil. I mean, that's that's the elite of the yeah. elite of the England, elite.
1: England, France, yeah, there's some yeah. really good teams.
0: So, you know, World Cup-wise, I will now, uh, now that the American Outlaws are out, I'm going to side with the Three Lions and be, and be rooting for them uh, as they go through. I think they have... Uh, Senegal today, don't we? Senegal, yes, in the round of 16. So, uh, And then, of course, like you said, rivalry week. Uh, We are actually in a few hours here. Carla and I are going down to the Creighton-Nebraska game. So uh, by the time everybody hears this on Friday, you will have, of course, known who won that game. Uh, Does Nebraska
1: have a shot this season? I mean, will it be competitive? Because I I watched, (laughs) uh, I think Duke played Boston College yesterday, and I think Nebraska beat, Boston College worse than Duke
0: did. Yeah, you know uh, they've gotten their best player back. Uh, speaking of injuries, you know uh, Derek Walker's probably their best player, uh, and uh, you know he's he's played really really well. Uh, you know Nebraska has has played a couple of teams that are struggling right now, Florida State and Boston College, and uh, uh, but they've dominated those teams that are struggling. Which if you hope to be pretty good, you should dominate teams sign. that are struggling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. They, they've got, uh, they've got a heck of a week here. Uh, they got three straight games here against Creighton. Uh, and then, uh, they go out to Indiana and, uh, and then they host Purdue next weekend. Uh, so three straight. Indiana t- just got
1: beat by Rutgers. So, you know, they're going to be in a foul mood.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um i i mean i don't know like i said by the time folks hear this they're going to know the result of the game uh our other sons team carter's team uh they lost a tough one the other night to montana state they went on the road uh tough loss for them uh that's that's going to hurt uh in their you know assuming that they win their conference championship which they should this year probably Mm -hmm. um that's going to hurt that's that's a bad that's a bad loss on the on the the seed um But, you know, that's that's for that's to be played out, Uh, you know, so we're keeping track of our boys. Uh, We've got two games this week against two quality opponents, Uh, you know, so we're just, you know, and I, you know, our house is much like your house now. You and Rita are sitting around. If you're not at a basketball game, you're probably sitting at home watching a basketball game (laughs) or thinking about one (laughs) We're thinking about one. Exactly, and that's what Carl and I are doing here. So uh, we are knee deep in it, which we wouldn't want it any other way. And uh, yeah, we're excited to get going. So, uh, awesome. Tony, great pod this week. Uh, in season adjustments, any, any, anything else you want to add to our to our conversation?
1: The big thing that, that I would I would give in not saying to never make a move. That's that's not what I'm saying. But just be careful on the knee jerk reactions. Um, yeah. If you do it two weeks later. Is it any worse than, than, you know, doing it immediately? I would just be careful in the knee-jerk reactions. You put a lot of time into thinking through things, months, lots of preparation. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater too quickly.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Be patient. Don't let one game think this, that, or the other thing, or or, or one weekend, Um, especially if you're in a situation like ours where you've had some some injuries or whatever, uh, some other things that you're dealing with. Uh, Yeah. I, I think it's most important that you uh that you be patient, that you really think it through and, and when you're making these decisions, uh you, you, you can't you can't like you said, Tony, you've said it numerous times, the the microwave uh thought. Uh what tastes better? Uh the meal in the oven or the meal coming out of the microwave? Most often than not, it's the meal in the oven that's slow cooked. And so
1: roasting a crock pot with potatoes and carrots.
0: Mm. mm. That's living right there, Tony. L i v i n. Yeah, that is Clark. As as, as Wooderson would say, L i v i n. Man, so uh, all right. Well, hey, uh, episode number sixteen. Great talk here with Tony Davis uh, on on in season adjustments and and what you should be thinking about this time of the year. Uh, Great stuff. We got a great uh, interview uh, coming on Monday. Uh, folks are going to enjoy it. Uh, we're, we're just going to keep things going as best as we can here. I hope I hope folks are a little bit patient with uh, some things with me uh, when it comes to the Twitter feed or podcast or whatever it may be. And I've, I've got to give my full, you know, my number one thing has to be my team, but I'm still going to work hard. To try and put out some good quality stuff for you as as a coaching community, so hopefully hopefully folks stay patient with me, stay patient with me, and mark off April first uh, this spring, April first, twenty twenty three, uh, for the third annual Appendant and Napkin Coaches Clinic. Uh, we're we're going to get more. We've got one really great speaker lined up already, and uh, we're, we're going to have about four really great speakers. We're going to have some interactive stuff. I think you're I think you're really really going to enjoy it. So coaches as always let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time